Welcome to Podmakers. Do you ever wonder how podcasting could help your business or even if you're doing business right? Do you ever wonder what it takes to start and maintain a podcast or about the reasons for starting or maintaining one? Do you ever wonder what other business owners and podcasters are going through behind the scenes, away from the highlight reels and shiny filters of social media? Wonder with us on podcasting and how to show up intentionally and be heard. Hey, Casey. Hey, Karen. How's it going? I'm so excited we're recording. (laughs) I'm excited we're recording. And because I missed you, first and foremost. And I'm back in my own office, which we don't currently use video if we ever do use video one day. I've been recording the last several episodes from my in-laws house because of our really crappy internet access <laughs> out here on the water. And finally, we upgraded our internet service. So now I'm back in my office and it feels so much more comfortable and natural to be like in my own chair and at my own my own little setup and everything. So I'm like, yay, Hell yeah. back, back in my own office. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you were always like, you were in your in-laws, but you were also like sitting on the floor, like at a coffee table. And then there was like one day that I was like, you need to get your mic closer. So then you're like perched, like in a way, it was like, (laughs) y'all, like she was not comfy. Like this was not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really excited that you're in your own space. You can be more comfortable. You can literally like run downstairs, eat breakfast, go to the bathroom, hop on, like, you know, like just so it just, it brings a different energy to it. It really does. Which is a whole thing for those learning to podcast or wanting to start a podcast. Think about your space. Think about where you're recording and what it Mm. means for how you can show up. Yes. Lesson, but also what's accessible because that's what Casey had to do to make it happen. And I love it. Well, welcome to the new internet, Casey. The new internet age for you. (laughs) New internet age for me. And like, since we're actually releasing this close to when we're recording it, it's a new year. It's 2024 now. It just became 2024. It is a new year. Well, any other updates or anything else you want to name to be in the space today? Well, it kind of ties into what we're talking about today, but I kind of just wanted to share a little bit about like the central theme slash vibe I've been observing in my life and that I've also been, you know, picking up from other people too, as this calendar kind of turned the page on a new year. We were camping, and so I meant that meant I was not on my phone as much. I was journaling more. I was outside a lot more. After it stopped raining, it rained for like four days, but after that, it was great. Highly recommend unplugging if you can out in nature. And during journaling, I was just like, I kind of looked back at some of my entries for 2023. That's kind of the closest I got to like a 2023 interview type of thing. And just notice how stressed I was for so much of 2023 for one reason or another, like very hyper vigilant and anxious and not really like I knew that I was stressed, but I just didn't have the clarity on it that I do now. And I feel like that clarity is kind of what shifted for me as the calendar year changed for some reason. I have like all of these things, these concepts that I really want to put into play of 
things don't have to be so hard. I don't have to make things harder than they are. Things are allowed to like come to me with ease. And that sounds kind of silly, like when I say it out loud, but it's like, it's almost like I was making things harder, needed things to be harder to be worth pursuing, or maybe I have beliefs that business is supposed to be hard, stuff like that. But as the year has changed, I'm feeling a lot more like really ready to tap into my inner knowledge versus seeking like a lot of external knowledge. Like who can tell me how to do this better? Who can tell me how to, like you said in our pre-show, like business, right? Like who can tell me how can I shift that better for myself? And now I'm much more in an energy of like, I already know what I need to do. I already have all the tools that I need to create what I want for this year and beyond and to stop like chasing things so much, whether that's chasing clients, whether that's chasing like visibility or chasing what I think are answers to growing my business, making my business more of what I want it to be. So that's just what I've been observing in my own life. And I know you and I had talked a little bit about that. And you had shared with me a little bit too about how you've been feeling. It's a little bit different, but also a little bit the same. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll name today that I'm coming in our families just like in a little bit of a rough spot in the last couple of weeks, we've had a dog health crisis. And so this is my go-to, right? Anytime I'm in survival mode, these are the feelings that come up. So it's a very deep narrative for me. It's the, I am not enough voice. And so all that to say, got to my morning pages this morning and was like, wow, I'm failing in every way. And was like, including in my business, which is not true, not true at all. It's just no. this narrative that I like default to and have to be really, really mindful of, of when I'm defaulting to it. So that to say, I am definitely in the feels of it. I have, de- I definitely resonate with everything that you're saying, even though it has looked very different for me. I mean, even just hearing you say that there's just been so much stress over the last year, like, I think me too. And I do create a lot of my own stress from that, like hyper, oh, hyper vigilance. And I create a lot of my own anxiety from that yes. hyper vigilance and like having to try to make everything back to topic, trying to make everything perfect so that I can tell myself that it's being done in like the way that it needs to be done or that I'm doing a good job yes. or like to prove my existence, like that it's good that I exist and that I am here. Yeah. We're in it. We're in it. (laughs) And we're in it together. I think you, dear listeners, are going to relate to this. But yeah, so interestingly, that kind of ties into our topic today that we wanted to dive into, which is what is professionalism in podcasting? So like, what is professionalism in our business? You know, how does it relate to how we show up to the mic? And it's such a broad topic, but we're going to break it down into more of like, since how we kind of open the show more of like specificity and personal takes on it, because, you know, God, professionalism is such a huge like umbrella topic that it could be like a four hour podcast if we if we went into every little piece of how it ties into culture and what it means. And, you know, how does each person define it and da, 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 da. So to start out, like first, we wanted to talk about like what is this whole perception of being professional, kind of air quotes around professional. Why does it feel important, especially as business owners, online business owners? And can everyone even agree on what it means? And I kind of phrased that question like that because I don't think we do necessarily agree on what it like we do and we don't. Like professionalism means by definition the competence or skill expected of a professional. 
that's it. That's all. <laughs> that's and when I think about how many times, even in other podcasts, podcasts that have nothing to do with business, just in the culture and in society in general, when someone says, "Oh, they're the consummate professional," oh, they were so professional about X, Y, Z, like, or on the flip side, that was so unprofessional. Can you believe that they, you know, with their behavior around that, that was so unprofessional? I just don't think they're showing up as a professional. And it's like, what is this definition? If it just means the competence or skill expected of a professional, how does that tie into like someone's attitude, like how someone appears, how someone speaks, how we present ourselves? If we can do the skill and get paid for the skill, because that's, again, also part of being a professional is that you're not an amateur and that you're getting paid for something that you do, the work that you do. What does that all mean? And like, (laughs) I think the whole perception of being professional, especially in a new year, new goals, everyone in business is doing their 2023 review and thinking about how they want 2024 to go, which is great. Yeah, we're kind of making faces. (laughs) I roll. That's also amazing. If you have that steam and energy, that is beautiful. I'm not going to discount it. I just use it against myself all the time. I use it for the serotonin, but it doesn't actually give me a plan or like follow through. Mm. So like, it's just a waste of time for me. (laughs) That's how it has always been for me too. Like New Year's resolutions have just never been my thing. For a while there, I got into setting like intentions for the year and like choosing a word for the year or something like that. But even this year, I was like, I just want the year to come to me. Like I am so done with chasing anything or trying to define anything ahead of time. Like this year hasn't happened yet. I don't know. Like anything could happen. It's a whole year. I don't, I'm not gonna, it just, it feels like a misdirection of my energy right now to pick a word or an intention or whatever. That's why I had this question around professionalism of like, can everyone even agree on what it means? Is there like a core? Yeah, that's what I think. I think aside from the base definition of it, which is the competence or skill expected of a professional, I think that's it. Like there's so many different things different people perceive as professional or not. Like language, to me, cursing does not bump me. as a Like I'm not going to think someone's less professional. I've seen comments on other podcasts. Love this show. But the language, I just, I couldn't listen to it anymore. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I would never, would never enter into my consciousness as a problem. Right. Right. People, you know, women not wearing makeup doesn't bump me. Like certain things that like women showing up on video and stuff like that, a lot of things that hold them back are, well, my hair's not done. You know, my makeup's Mm -hmm. not done. I don't feel like showing up on video when I can't have those things to make me feel more professional. And it's like, girl, if you got the knowledge, just get on there and drop the knowledge. Like no one cares if you're wearing concealer or not. Not really. Like they just want to hear what you have to say. But that's also, I think, a factor in podcasting where it's like we have to feel comfortable in our professionalism to be able to show up and say like, well, what do I have to say? You know, like who's going to want to hear what I think about my niche Yeah, which is such a tricky thing because, like, when we're talking about, like, how it impacts how we show up, like, I think of, like, confidence in that space, which is, like, a whole nother dialogue that I feel like you and I could have as far as, like, where our confidence comes from. And, like, Mm. I feel like I used to lean heavier on the prescribed or given ideas of professionalism so that I could, like, stand on that and be like, yes, I can be here versus knowing that my confidence comes from 
my wisdom, my knowledge, and my experience. And that my wisdom, my knowledge, and my experience are not impacted by whether or not I show up with eyeliner on or like my hair done or like if I say the word like. Like, so when you ask, like, is there like something that we can agree on as far as what professionalism is? I think I go pretty nihilistic. <laughs> I guess pessimistic is a better word. And I'm like, no, like, no. And there may not ever be because that's just how language is and how language works. Mm. And like, we may have to de- like develop other terms for it and like that kind of thing. And on a personal note, I really think of a very loud voice through my journey as a business owner and as a human has been my dad's voice, right? I mean, we have all of these people that have raised us that have been voices in our our becoming. And my dad's idea of professionalism as a boomer that was in a corporate space and essentially with the same company in the same same sort of career for 25, over 25, 30 years looks very Mm. different than my idea of professionalism. And as a millennial, and to name some of my identifying factors as a millennial, also thinking of like, even with the makeup thing, like I'm from Texas. So like, there's a very, (laughs) there's, and you're, you're in the South too. There's a very specific cultural idea of what, how a woman needs to show up in the South Mm -hmm. or in Texas, as far as what she looks like and all of that. You and I also have religious backgrounds. So there's a voice there as far as like how we need to show up. So just to name all of these things as far as like, and to be personal, like, like my dad was a lobbyist also. So like very, he has a very strong opinion of what it looks like to show up to be professional and to be able to be heard. And that's something that Mm. he's given me as far as like, oh, you're a woman, I want you to be heard. And so you have to kind of play within these parameters in order to like get the space to be heard, right? Because he plays both. He knows the system of those older Met, you know, like the people that make decisions and like that kind of thing for our country. And he also is the father of two girls and wants them to be able to do whatever they want and sees, you know, so mm-hmm. taking into account all of these things, I also think it would be a big miss if we don't just mention in this space that you and I are both two white women and that professionalism is a very, very, very riddled dialogue. And I think at some point we should bring somebody onto the show that can speak about it from a more informed perspective than ours even also. And we've talked about too, I have a number of friends in the TEIG consulting space that could speak about this endlessly and maybe we'll bring them on and maybe somebody that's in the podcasting space specifically that can talk about white supremacy culture and what it says is professional in the podcasting space versus what is not and what it looks like to be outside of what white supremacy culture says is professional and still maybe be professional. So just to name that, I think that that's a really, really important dialogue. And I think that it not only packs everybody with an identity that is not a rich white man and still impacts this professionalism kind of myth and like all of its varying degrees impacts white rich men also. So Mm. just to name all of that, this impacts all of us. And there are these like really, really deep embedded cultural understandings, all of those narratives that have come into you. I don't want to 
undermine them. Like those are very much present when you're coming to the microphone. And even what we mentioned as far as like, it can kill, it can make or break your confidence when you are defining yourself by these ideas of professionalism that maybe you haven't like necessarily like thought about or really thought through or like analyzed very much. I love that piece about your dad and his very strong like impression and opinion about professionalism from his very specific, like very dialed in lens and also being the father of two women and how he wants you to have the most of your voice. And especially like considering, I think our parents are close in the same age. They're at least in the same generation of like boomers, parenting millennials and it's really interesting, even though my dad was not corporate, he worked in construction and, but he was always in a very like supervisory role and always had very strong opinions. And he was very, I mean, he had that career his whole life, probably starting with millennials. That's not really something that we do anymore is stay with a job for 20 years. Like people are changing jobs every year or every few years as opportunities open up. And as like your life path just changes, like you're not expected to stay in the same role. And I still catch flack for not quote unquote using my culinary degree Mm. because I'm not like, and it's perceived as not being used because I'm not working in a kitchen or like running a restaurant or owning a restaurant or something like that. So it's just interesting, you know, and what does that mean as far as, you know, I love how you brought in the confidence piece. How does that affect how we show up? Because when you don't feel confident, when you feel like, second guessing yourself like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not as professional as I thought. Like I don't use my culinary degree. Maybe that's a message that I carry and like, I don't follow through on things kind of thing. And just, yeah, acknowledging those voices and how they affect the messages that we carry and how that affects our confidence and how that affects our professionalism. It's like a whole trail. Yeah. It's just such a bigger topic really than just are you getting paid for a job and do you have the skill to do that job as far as right. like the bare bones definition of professional? Yes. But I also mm. hear you, Casey, you're always, and I really appreciate this about you. I always take things really, really big and really, really meta and really, really like out there. And I heard you say that we were talking about it in reference to podcasting today. So I think an example that I have like also is just like even with the transition that Heal and Go Public is going through right now, my other show is I have shut down a number of ideas of what I want to do in that space because of having to maintain this like, oh, like if I just completely change things up all of a sudden, like, is that professional? Like, are people going to accept that? Is that going to be okay? Whereas like, and it's probably, you know, some of that like dad lobbyist voice comes in as far as like, and the pod bros that we shout out all the time, like consistency, consistency, everything needs to be the same people, which I think that there is a level of truth to this. Like people need to know what they're showing up to and knowing what they're expecting. And like, if it's too different, it may be like assaulting to their senses, you know, or like they might leave, but it's also like, maybe that's okay. Like it's just all of those different levels of, okay, if I do something differently than what I set out to do, which let's talk about it in a big career way, all of the pivots that you and I have been through this year, but specific to the show, mm-hmm. if I do, if I follow this idea and that idea makes me release on a different time frame, or it's, I want to test it out with interviews that I have in the hopper 
but that's not what the show sounded like when the guest agreed to be on the show. Like, you know, like all of these things, Mm -hmm. like, is that professional? Is that not? Is that, and it comes from this fear of like, what are people going to think about me? And it's funny because if I am about what I say I'm about and think that podcasting is simply a medium, like looking at it as an artist, podcast is simply a medium through which we can connect with other people, disseminate ideas and information and facilitate storytelling, which facilitates connection the fuck am I worried about? You know, like, you know, but like just to get, just to like give a real life example of something that I'm looking at right now. Like I want to yeah. change the show. I have these ideas, but then this like professionalism voice comes in and is like, just keep doing it or like finish it out to a point that makes sense, which is like so antithetical to like my artist brain. But I also think that you have a good point about, you want to think about what your listeners are expecting. Like that's a normal, like prefer, like you have to think about, okay, what is my, what do they expect from me? What have I set this up to create that expectation? Like that's a very conscientious, like question for you to have of like, Mm -hmm. is this going to bump people? Is this going to make people not want to listen? Is it too different from what I've done before? I think taking listeners into consideration is probably something you know, a lot of podcasters could do a little more of. So the fact that you're asking that I think is a big deal. And is there a way to maybe announce that you're changing things or just like let people know? I don't know. There's probably a lot of different ways around it, but I think that's an important question to have. And it's not something I wouldn't want you to beat yourself up about it or feel bad that like considering the listener's point of view, because that's really important. And some of it is getting back down to like my why and what the show is and who are my listeners and what are they expecting in the space? Yes. There's also a really interesting dialogue too, as far as I really wrestled with what professionalism is in the, in like the podcast space, especially within editing, mm-hmm. not as on my end, as far as like an editor, but as far as sound. So like, our go-to is like, okay, it has to sound really, really good. So we're taking out ums, ahs, long pauses, misspeaks. It has to be the highest quality of sound capture that there is available to this person or to their experience. And we have to make it like very consumable, very pleasurable to consume for, for the listener. I think all of that is true. And also, I think some other things are true. So it's this like compromising space of like, so I have one client that is very particular about their show being very organic. They are a coach. So they want, when somebody's listening to the show, they want it to feel as though that person is just chatting, like talking with them. So, and they want it to be really real. They want it to be really real life because that's part of their brand also is that business is really accessible. You don't have to show up perfectly. You don't have to be a perfect person to like have a business and to show up with clients and like all of that, right? You know, she doesn't want me to take out all of her ums. She doesn't want me to take Mm. out all of her likes. She doesn't even want me to take out all of her misspeaks necessarily. Or like when she loses her train of thought because she's neurodivergent, she wants that to be present in the space. So it's like, okay, there's this like, kind of given standard of what is a professional podcast that's given from outside of us. But then we also have to define within that, like whether or not that makes sense for us and what is actually important for our listeners to hear 
it's like kind of creating your own realm of professionalism, like in a sense, or your own definition of like what is professional yes. for you, I guess, and, and what makes sense. Yes. And that's informed by your listeners and your audience. Yes, totally. I was just, as you were saying that, I, it became so clear, like colleagues that I know with podcasts, friends, other people in business, no two podcasts are the same. Like we can have all these best practice ideas and those are great as like guidance. And when you're first starting out and it gives you a lot of criteria to really think about as far as, like you said, like defining your brand, how you want that to show up in your sound, how you want that to show up in your conversations. And it's really interesting that like some people say you should never record a podcast on Zoom. I've done podcast guesting on Zoom with other podcasters that it's such a low it's such a low barrier to entry for them. It's easier for them to be consistent if they record their interviews in Zoom. She was also a great interviewer. Like she had like a rough outline of questions for me, but she was like I really like to keep it conversational like you said that your client prefers. I think a lot of people are going that direction and have gone that direction recently versus like very canned, like question, response, question, response. Like it's very organic and it leaves room for like when the conversation might change. Like maybe the guest will say something that you don't expect and you can like follow that thread. Whereas if you have like a hard outline, if you don't even like how hard outlines, but you're doing it because you think you have to, to be professional <laughs> and you're kind of like cutting yourself off of, those opportunities to like really get good, juicy, interesting conversations that that guest, like if they're guesting on other shows, they're going to have with like five other hosts because they're going to probably ask really similar questions. But it's really, like I said, like the best practices are great. And I'm not saying like, you know, throw the book out, but cater it to you. And like, what's your definition of professional? And what does that mean for your consistency and your ability and you're, cause not everyone's a professional editor like Karen, who's like amazing and isn't lucky enough to like, we're so lucky that we get to have her do pod makers. But like, if it was just me by myself, heck no, it wouldn't sound as good. I probably would be recording through Zoom because that's my capacity. And like, that's how I would be able to keep it sustainable. And that mm -hmm. is okay. Like there's no, that's not a failing from the definition of professional. It's just here's a way to do it that like a lot of people recommend because probably maybe it's more a, I don't even want to say pleasurable experience, but it is like, it is kind of nice to have really great sound and you don't have a lot of distractions in your sound. And it's a very like more immersive experience. I guess I could say if you're listening to a podcast and you just want to focus on the podcast, it's easy to stay in it when the audio is very clear and very smooth but like, don't let that stop you either. Like if podcasting is something that you want to do or podcast guesting, like this whole concept, this outside concept of professionalism and what you have like been told that it means is really something important to reflect on for yourself and your internal definition of professionalism and how you want to show up mm -hmm. as a professional. It's very personal. Yes. yes, it absolutely is. And that's where it like everything else like and that's I'm thinking of like when I'm on a discovery call with somebody that wants to launch a show and we're going over all of the different steps and all of the different things and all of the different things that they need from hardware to software to I just think of all of the different options and sometimes I can even be overwhelmed in what to give to them let alone they're overwhelmed in 
consuming the information that I'm giving them. Right. And I've been working on for years, putting together like kits on Kitco and that sort of thing. As far as like, here's your starter pack, here's your mid-level starter pack, here's your high-level starter pack. Like it's like super, even the professional word comes in, right? A professional recording kit, like all of that. And there's some resistance there because it is so specific to each person's journey. I was on a disco call with somebody the other day that I was like, yeah, if you cannot be on Zoom, that would be wonderful. Like we're going to get a way higher quality recording that I'm going to be able to like really pull out the best of. And also like if you're not at a place where you can pay for or at a technical place that you can navigate something like a remote recording room like this one that we're in, this is Zencaster. Mm-hmm. Riverside is great also. Yes. There's Squadcast. There's a ton of options. We are not sponsored by any of these things. So I'm going to shout out a bunch until one of us and one of them sponsors us. And like I was telling them, like you can like record on Zoom. And then like if you need to and you can't hire an editor, like man, have Descript edit for you. You know, it is such a choose your own adventure situation. And all of these things have to be decided by your experience, your skills, like how you show up, like even with the, you were saying like the outline piece, like some people, I mean, are not skilled at interviewing. And so like, sometimes they do need to lean a little bit more on that. And maybe folks that are unskilled with interviewing should have an editor, you know, that's able to like really piece things together and like produce it a little bit more highly, give it some music, give it some narration, like that kind of thing. Or maybe like, not like you know I think this is back to like the artist identity and I'm just like with my specific values and my specific purpose of life it comes down to that we are here to create we're here to create we're here to connect and if that's the purpose of the show like if that's like the big big why that it comes down to like we just have to figure out a formula that makes sense for right now and like things can always change too so you alluded to like, I mean, you didn't allude to, we both just said it's so specific to each person. It's so specific to like your audience is so specific to all of those things. Casey, can you, I know that you and I both have given like a few examples before, but can you tell me like, what role does professionalism play for you, even in this podcast space, your previous podcast space, or just your business in general? I think ultimately it's deci- it's defining your like internal compass definition, creating your own definition of professionalism and what that is. And for me, professionalism is like the bare bones answer of like your skill, you're paid for a skill, but it's also like it's connection. It's honing your skills, not just saying, okay, here's a skill that I have and you can pay me to do this for you. But I think it's constantly for me, professionalism is always building your knowledge of that skill, continuing your education on that skill maybe even adding new skills that you feel called to that can help you with your ongoing work. Like for an example, for me, I'm doing currently the SEO certification through HubSpot, which I've already you know worked through SEO for a while. I already understand the basics and things like that. But I mean, obviously there's going to be things I don't know. And like, even if you have done the certification before, you're going to forget stuff. So I think it's important to kind of like re-up your knowledge on that every so often if you're feeling rusty, or even if you're not feeling rusty, but just feeling like a little uninspired to just kind of remind yourself of your why and why you do this and how it helps people. 
I just, I don't really think about professionalism anymore through a lens of like, I used to put a lot of emphasis on appearance. And I think that was something that concerned me as a new business owner that doesn't concern me as much anymore. Like, how do I look? What am I wearing today? You know, am I good enough to show up on a Zoom call with someone like a client or a potential client? Do I need to put makeup on? Like, how's my background looking? Like, it all comes down to this like weird, nagging sense of good enoughness. And I think that's a lot. I won't say it doesn't come up sometimes for me. Of course it does. We're all human. But it's not as strong as it used to be as a an early like business owner when I was a lot younger in my business. And it was very like appearance was everything because I came from this corporate space where it was like you had to show up in certain clothes. You had to show up like, you know, you were expected to carry yourself a certain way, have this professional demeanor. And you would kind of get a sense of that based on whichever office you were working in because I had several different corporate jobs before I branched out and did my own thing. And like professional in the medical office is a little different than professional in the attorney's office. And navigating those things a lot of times, which are very implicit versus explicit. So you just kind of figure it out through context and try to mold yourself into this acceptable employee and thinking about that and how to not carry (laughs) a lot of that through into your own business because people who start their own businesses are not wanting to recreate the exact same situation that they left. So yeah, defining your specific points of professionalism and sticking to those and figuring out like which are pieces that you want to hold on to, which I think continuing education is like adding new skills that make sense that are complementary to your existing skills. And then the pieces that like don't really matter to you as much, which for me is like dress code and like hair and makeup and stuff. Yeah. So that's, those are like the easy, more tangible examples of how I see professionalism now. Has it changed for you from when you started versus where you are now? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it's funny because I, I mean, of course you and I have different experiences. Like I never, (laughs) and this is not necessarily something I'm proud of, but like, I've never really been in like a corporate space ever because like, I have always been so defined as artists and also because of some of the narratives that I have around being an artist or being neurodivergent or being like, whatever the thing is, right. That I would fail in those spaces and like, wasn't going to be able to handle the failure because of the self-confidence and the view of self that I had at the time. Right. So like very, on the other hand, though, I'm very protective of like what I know that I am about in this life and like all of those things. So I have a lot of customer, customer service experience, a lot of like retail experience. I would say the most like formal besides working at a church, which we can talk about that besides working at a church, the most like professional job which this is even funny, even in my, I'm catching myself even as I speak, because like my job right now is the most badass professional job that I have ever had. And also like the most from an exterior lens, like professional, like laid out job job, that's not entrepreneur. I worked in a gallery and like we left because we were like the punk rock gallery in DC. Like also we weren't all about that, like super stark, like 
highbrow art space. Like that just wasn't us. And like, even like my, my friends in college would make fun of me because like all of my art has a conceptual level of like questioning the medium within it and questioning the history behind the medium. So like my photography was often displayed like on the floor because I'm questioning like what the art object is. And like, so anyway, I'm like wired to really question all of these things and to really like fuck against them anyway. So yes, my idea of like what is professional and like what is professional within my business has changed so much. And I think the most important thing to note within that or the most concise thing that I can note within that is that in the past, I really had to rely on the given the scaffolding that I was given because of my own personal journey. I didn't have the self-trust. I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have the self-concept to be able to define for myself what was or was not professional and feel like I could be proud of it or defend it without it being something mm. that came from outside of myself, if that made se- makes sense. Yes. Which there's a religious trauma flair there also, as far as like having to de- defer my inner wisdom to like outside sources. There's also just a conditioning piece there as a woman. But yes, absolutely. So like I used to, just to say again, I used to rely on the scaffolding given to me. And now I rely on my experience my self-trust and this idea that I have my own back. And within Mm. what you're saying also is that I know and can trust in my skills. I have the experience now of my skills are awesome. I am also becoming a really good communicator with clients. You know, like I have been through some stuff and I have learned a lot from it. And I can trust and rely on those things versus what I'm, how I'm told to kind of act, if that makes sense. So just mm. to throw it back to, to what I said before, before I can rely on my own wisdom, knowledge and experience now versus having to start at ground zero and rely on somebody else's prescription of it, if, if that makes sense. And yes. In some ways, I feel like the bar is lowered. As far as like, I was given a lot of scaffolding around, like you mentioned, the hair, the makeup, the clothes, even like, I've always had like a very weird sense of style. Like, you know, like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not going to look certain ways. And that used to really bug me. And now I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like my skills, my knowledge and my experience speak for itself. My own definition of professionalism. Am I creating connection? with my clients, with my da 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 yeah. that and their clients while maintaining a skill set and an experience that I'm proud of and willing to defend. Mm, that's it. That's the yeah. And Bullseye. if I'm not willing and if I and if I get called out on something and I can't defend it, I apologize for it and I learn how to do it differently. I think that's professional also and just owning Mm. and being like being responsible for my actions and my knowledge at this point. And if it needs to change, taking responsibility for how it needs to change. So important. And I totally left that out of my definition. Probably, I probably should have written mine down. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to see if I can come up with it off the top of my head. And like the communication piece is so big, like communication with clients, helping the messaging be clear between them and their clients, like so huge. And then the piece that you also mentioned about, can I have my own back about this? Yeah, And if I can't, how can I, in my integrity, take the next step of whether that's like repair or changing things or 
whatever it is. Yeah. So, so, so important. Obviously, huge components of professionalism. So, so good. Which is funny because like we're even given so much around that as far as like, like what it boils down to in a lot of ways, like when we start bringing in things like that, as far as taking responsibility, apologizing when you need to, like communication piece, like the voice that's in my head is one of my coaches and one of my clients that says, like, be a real human. Like she's always like, Mm. be a real human, be a real human, be a real human. And it's funny because my idea of professionalism in the beginning was very robotic and took a lot of the human aspect out of it. Like, I can't make mistakes. I have, you know, like all of those, like, I can't think of any more examples, but like that are dehumanizing. Whereas now I'm like, my idea of professionalism is more human than it has ever been before. And there's room Mm. for things like that. There's room for mistakes, but it's also like being a real human and being a good human. Like, and I hate putting like good, bad, like that's such a, like, like a moral indoctrination that I received, but language fails me here. Like being a, real good a real human authentic yeah. human that wants the best for everybody involved in the situation when you said that robotic piece it reminded me of i burst into tears at work one time in front of two supervisors which is like yeah <laughs> the nightmare for being perceived as professional cuz like you yeah. have you can't be emotional at work you know what I mean like that's not appropriate quote unquote Um, I cried at every job I had like and I remember when I worked at the church which you would think like the church is a space where like there's space for feelings and like stuff like that my boss like pushed a box of tissues at me and was like go ahead and take a minute I'm gonna leave the room and I'll come back when you're done like What? Oh my God. <laughs> but you oh. were saying, sorry, I didn't mean to like no. derail us with my weird No, that's story. just another example though of like emotion in workspaces is like very unprofessional. And like, I just don't think that's true. And so now that I get to define it for myself, I get to, Hell yeah. like I've cried on client calls before. Like oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it, usually it was for a positive reason. Like they were gushing about something and it made me tear up a little bit because mm-hmm. they were telling me that what I had done was like really impactful and important to their business, wow. which was very touching. And I'm glad it was for a very different reason than the reason I burst into tears at my old corporate job because that was <laughs> just from pure misery. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's funny because I have found over the years that one of my biggest roles as an editor is simply encouraging and being a cheerleader for my clients. And Mm. I'll get emails that are like, I'm so sorry, you know, like, I'm so sorry. And like with having my feet in with being a spiritual director over the last like eight years and having like that coaching experience and working with a lot of coaches, like we do do feeling space. Like, and if we Mm -hmm. didn't, that would impact their show and that would impact our relationship. And so I even recently had an experience where one of my clients wasn't necessarily asking for like coaching or encouragement, but the topic lent itself to that very quickly and very easily. I was like, I can speak into this. And so I sent a very, I would say a very deep email that was like, I am here. I am with you. You never, you know, like you never have to apologize for me for like your mess ups or mistakes, like whatever you would, you would not believe how many people pay me every month to be their editor and still apologize to me for things that I have to edit. Like it is amazing. And these incredibly powerful, wonderful women. And 
So I sent this email that was like so encouraging, this big paragraph that was like, da, 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 and probably didn't need to send it to her whole team, probably could have just sent it to her, but, you know, got an email back later that was like, hey, I really needed that, you know? And it's like, it's those yeah. spaces of like, before this idea of professionalism would have limited me and this idea of hierarchy, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're just the editor. Like, how could you encourage this one, this in- incredibly powerful that's not your place business owner yeah mm-hmm. like oh my god no I know that this is my role my role is to encourage and be a cheerleader for my clients and therefore like that means getting into some of the sticky areas as far as professionalism and also yeah. if she had gone back to me and been like hey I didn't need that from you that felt weird I'd be like great you'll not get an email from me like that again like you yep. know like it's fine it's fine I love that. That's so good. That's so good. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being with us today. There's a lot of examples of professionalism, how it's changed for both of us, and then also just what professionalism generally looks like. And in the podcasting world, we would love to be in dialogue with you about all of this as well. So you can always contact us through our websites and shoot us emails. I would love to know what you are processing on as far as professionalism, what it looks like for you, what it's looked like in, in the past versus how it looks now. And what are your kind of backbones? How are you creating an idea of professionalism? How are you creating your own def- definition of professionalism? So rattle on those. And also while you're rattling on those, if that has felt important to you, if that has felt impactful to you, if you like hearing our stories here in the space, please leave a rating and review. And also if you have a second, send it to somebody else that's in podcasting or in business. And thanks for being here with us. If you need support on your podcasting journey, Casey is here. Casey, how can people get in touch with you and how can you help them? Yes. If you would like to hop on a discovery call with me to talk about podcast guesting strategy or repurposing content from your podcast, you can visit my website, which is Casey Hayes, K-A-C-E-Y-H-A-Y-E-S.com. The work with me page or the contact page, you can find me there and we can set up a call and talk about what the next right step for your business could be in the podcasting world. And I know Karen, you too have availability for clients, where can people find you to talk more about showing up in this podcast space, potentially launching their own podcast? How can they get your help with that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, you want to launch one and you've already decided, or if you want to take your show to the next level by hiring an editor, you can get in contact with me through karenhibner.com, C-A-R-I-N-H-U-E-B-N-E-R. That link is in the show notes also. And we'll schedule your hour-long discovery call. I'll give you everything that I possibly can within an hour as far as software, hardware, any of your questions, how podcasting works, or if you just want some consultation around the concept, where you're going, your why, if this is a good idea, any of that, get on my schedule. I love having Facebook calls and I love connecting with people and helping them get their story and their passion out to the world. So you can do that at caringhippa.com. Thank you for listening to Podmakers and Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year.